I ended up speaking to them and, and um, for an hour, one hour of Shabbos, just you know, trying to help them. And I think if that's all, that if it helps one person, we've, we've achieved something. Hello, all. I'm Aaron Wogelhunter, and welcome back to Beyond the Book, where we explore Jewish authors and Jewish books. We are a project of the Intentional Jew Podcast Network. Check us out at intentionaljew.com. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're listening, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. And now, even in Spotify, you can leave us a five-star review, follow the show, and leave five stars. That would help me a lot. Thank you very much, and enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Beyond the Book Podcast. I'm here today with what I think is going to be a really awesome guest and something very um, unique, especially for the times we're in, for what's going on around us today. In general, where the Jewish community has gone in terms of a conversation about mental health and a conversation about staying healthy, that's going to be that's going to be today's conversation. So today I'm with uh, Yoni Palmer. And Yoni grew up in Golders Green, London. He moved to Ramat Beit Shemesh in 98, one of the first, uh, the first members of the Ramat Beit Shemesh community. He grew up in a home steeped in communal involvement with his father, serving as a gabe and communal leader, while his mother also played significant roles in women's groups in the local kihila. Yoni works in high tech as a technical writer, but outside work time is involved in communal activities, himself serving as a gabe both on the moshav where he lives and during the time he lived in Ramat Bechemesh. He's also a volunteer firefighter and took part in the Jerusalem Area Fire in 2021. Yoni's here today with his book that I'm holding, um, even even before it's released, it's going to be released this month. It's called Depressed, and it is a um, deep and vulnerable account of depression and uh, g- general mental health, I guess. So, Yoni, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Aaron. It's uh, it's great to be here. It's a privilege, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, to talking to you today. Okay, so I guess let's let's start a little further back. Like when you came in, we started talking something that I connected to while reading your bio, but is just to see, um, to see that you grew up in a very communal family, a family that is, uh, is very involved in the public sphere and that you didn't really run away from it and that you embraced <laughs> it, uh, even here as you moved here and as you, um, developed your family, your, your own home, you also gave back to the Jewish community. So I guess, um, just run me through like a little bit of what do you do today? For the, the larger greater uh, Jewish community and and why? Well, I think you know. Okay, we'll we'll, we'll answer our Rishon Rishon and Achron Achron. So, what do I do today? Uh, it, I kind of don't like to speak about myself, so this book has been a very uh, <laughs> interesting experience. But uh, what I do today, I am a gaba of a, a minion we have uh, on our moshav, and uh, also a volunteer firefighter. We also have uh, an organization that uh, my wife and I set up with a couple of friends three years ago to help couples that are having fertility issues, couples without kids. And we actually built a simmer in our house, uh, at the bottom of our house, for these couples to come and uh, and have like a, a retreat to get away from from the treatments and the, 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 the emotional stress uh, that they're going through. And uh, that takes up a, a bit of time as well. And I'm always looking for new, new causes to uh, to take on as well. And I think uh, 
actually through the firefighting, there's probably some more work to be done there to to spread the message of what we do and try and do some fundraising. We we could probably do some more equipment and things. So for the time being, that's where I'm at. But I'm always looking for the next. You know, if if, if I was uh, an entrepreneur, I'd be looking for the next. You know, big thing like uh, <laughs> cryptocurrency or whatever. But uh, Baruch Hashem, for me, it's my communal startups that uh, that I'm looking for, and that's uh, that's where I'm putting my energy. Does that give you certain energy that you can't get, you don't get elsewhere? What what is that? It, it's different. Um, I enjoy work, and I think it's important to be in a place where you know where you enjoy work. But having grown up, you know, in in a home that was about giving to the community, not just you know not being a taker, um, and contributing. So I have that need. You could say it's obsessive perhaps. Um, but it's just there. I mean, my, my brother is the same. He, he's also a GABA. Um, it gives back to the community. It's my family, whole family, you know, it's kind of very much, uh, we, you know, we always joke about different cousins and things. Oh yeah. She, you know, she's now heading up this committee and he's doing this. That's just the way it is. It's like a natural, uh, a natural thing. Some would describe it as a hereditary illness. You know, so um, oh yeah, I definitely <laughs> you, you go along with that. So um, I, you know, it, it's just there, and it's it's that drive to to do that, and it it kind of gives me it gives me a lot of um, satisfaction to know that you know really building something um, that you know a couple of shuls in in Ramat that I was involved in from you know the, the ground level that have become you know big major communities today, and that's. Uh, that's really nice to look back on that and and you know and see what uh, what I've done. So maybe that's a little bit egotistical, but uh, the, it, it's definitely about you know the on the ruchnia side, Hashem Shemaim to to spread you know Hashem's word and um, to make sure that the community has the things that uh, that it needs in whatever way I can contribute to that. I think that people need to give. They have this need to give, and uh, when it's and they have a, they have a need as well to feel belonging and to feel like they're part of something. So when they can start giving, they could be the gabai, they could be the gabai tzedakah, they could be anything. Shul is a great place to be, to do that and to feel like you need it. Um, and that's, that's uh, it's an important place. It's an important place for people to be able to give. And I also think that you're describing a um, definition of community that, that I as well grew up with. Um, my father being a rabbi of a shul and there was a, like the sh- the shul was um, this place where everyone was able to give to, and you were everyone was necessary. There was no person yeah. who came on a Shabbos morning who didn't belong there, who wasn't needed there, who didn't have a, a role. And then just trying to recreate that. Did you? Is that cha- is it extra challenging here in Israel? I I, I want to break yeah. that up. I know it's not the topic, but okay. I always think people who see eye to eye to me on what is community, and then doing it in Israel, that you hit certain challenges in Israel. Because the mentality and how we view shul, the the prayer place. Right. Um, I think I have a chiddush for you, perhaps, that it's not just isolated in in, in Eretz Yisrael. Um, my father, Zechariah Navrach, who was in, very heavily involved in, in communal affairs in, in Golders Green in, in London, said this kind of 30 years ago. He was an ifta 26 years ago. But he was talking about this 30 years ago. He could see already that people's willingness or desire um to belong to a kahila was beginning to to diminish and he saw that people were were, were not joining shuls anymore and he saw that um 
people were kind of flitting, you know, they'd be, let's say, for a few months in this place, and then a new shawl or stubel would open, and that's the, the new flavor of the month, and, and that's where they'd move. And it, which he thought was not a good thing. And But I guess whether it's good or not, it's also that it's a it's like a, a fact that people maybe have less of a need for whatever reason to feel part of a community. Now, again, in, in the Anglo areas, in Eretz Yisrael, there are many people who still feel there is that need. I think there are many people who come to Eretz Yisrael and get pulled into this thing like we're part of maybe a whole kehillah. Eretz Yisrael, you know, the state of Israel is like a whole new kehillah. So, okay, why do we need to have a separate shul? Um, but certainly the, the olim who come, many of them still feel the need because um, their families are still in Chutzlaras. They still feel that need to, to have something. And uh, even on our, our Moshav, um, which is, you know, it's like 150, maybe 160 families, very community feel, but we still wanted the Anglos kind of slash Ashkenazim on, on the Moshav as well. We we didn't have them. We want to feel like we have uh, kind of a community as well. Um, but at the same time, on the Moshav, we also feel part of the Moshav community as well. So maybe it's that sense of belonging, which maybe has some psychological background to that as well. Right. Uh, that's a chiddush. That's a good point. Um, it's also incredible what people can do as soon as they feel. Here you have a full-time job and a firefighter. Just those two should be able to to not have time to talk on a podcast. And that um, that you find time for everything is is just incredible because when you're giving to something larger than yourself, I think you get a, a special energy and a special uh, ability. Yeah, it's not easy, but I think you know it's the old adage they say: if you want something done, give it to a busy person because they'll they'll get it done. That's why they're they're busy. And you know, in all my years involved in, in Kahilas, both here and and in England, you know, often people will complain like, you know, why doesn't he or she get involved? You know, why are not enough people? getting involved, it's the same everywhere. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, you know, England, because there are some people always going to come forward, always going to be the ones to to do the work. And other people will contribute. You know, I like to be positive and think that even if people don't come forward in the same way, but they'll contribute in, you know, in the way they, they do. If everybody was, you know, wanted to be a gabba, <laughs> we'd be in a very, uh, right. <laughs> very tough situation. Very good. Um, okay, so tell me... Tell me a little bit, obviously we're sitting here with the book, um, Depressed, and maybe bring me through some of the experiences that brought us here. Uh, the book was written, um, we'll talk about exactly what what it's written for and it's uh, who it's intended to, to wake up, I assume, um, on this issue. But before we get there, just tell me, what is it? What, what, did you, uh, what are you intending to do? And, and some of your experiences that brought you here. So surprisingly enough, the book is called Depressed and it's about depression. It's about my own personal struggle with depression. And I, again, I'd, I'd use this word like a chidush, if you like. One of the chidushim for me in the thought process that led up to the book as well is that I, I'm kind of an open person, you know, and, and I like to share, not just for the sake of sharing, but with people that I care about and, and you know, good friends with, I'm, I'm happy to share. And even before the book was written and I was going through, you know, my own, my own uh, depressive state, I would tell friends, you know, I, I got to a point, I think, where for a long time I was hiding it. It was that taboo thing and, and people weren't aware. And then I thought, you know what, I, I don't care anymore. Like, if I'm not able to function because I'm depressed, why shouldn't I tell people that's the reason? You know, I'm not well. It's just like if I had a broken leg and I couldn't play soccer, so it would be, you know, the same kind of thing. And 
people's reaction was like, and I don't mean this in the Balgaiva sense, but people's reaction was like, you? Right? People couldn't believe it. And the because again, I was like, as much as I could, I was still doing the things that, that I wanted to do. I, for me, I didn't feel I was doing it on the level that I would expect of myself. But... Um, but people looking from the outside saw a highly functional, you know, productive right. human being. Right. And, and I mean, so A, you know, from my perspective, I didn't think I was highly functional. But on the other hand, the cost for me to, to be in that position was very high. It's, you know, it was very tough. As I write in the book, part of my coping mechanism was uh, was eating. Now, I'm going to say overeating because I wouldn't, I wouldn't say overeating, but it was like eating the wrong types of foods, like a lot of snacks and, and candies and, and things like chocolate, you know, things like that. Um, and the depression got to a point where I was actually at a very, very low point where I felt much more that it was beginning to affect my um, uh, my ability to, to 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 live normally. Like you know, I wasn't getting to shul as much. I wasn't able to learn as much. Those kind of things. And uh, you know, at one point, I, I um, was talking to my rav, who's Rabbi Yaakov Haber, happens to be the publisher of the book uh, as well, Mosaica Press. And I was talking to him. I had some shyness for him, and uh, I'm, you know, as, I'm, as you said, I'm a writer by profession, and I think a lot of technical writers have a book inside them. And I, I maybe put down some notes and things. I said to him, you know, half joking, I said, "Well, you know, I'm a writer. You're a publisher. Perhaps I should, you know, write a book about it." And I, you know, I say the credit, you know, really goes to him because he's he's really one who said, "You know, you should," and and we will. Because his comment to me was that. We hear a lot from the experts and the and the, the therapists, but we don't hear enough from the people who who suffer from depression. And one of the 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 insights I think that I've had since the book has come out, well, since it's been advertised, because it's not obviously, right. open, but there are. Um, you know, there's a, a few pages. I'm sure preview. just watching it uh, get advertised and getting closer to the date is a process for it, you. It's as a well. pro, it's a process, and and then there are previews available on on the website, the Mosaic website, and friends and family, very close friends and family that are, you know have a few hard copies that I've that I've shared with, and people who have you know come back to me and and you know we've been talking about it, and one of the things that that I I realized that. Sometimes the experts who come to this aren't necessarily, or people who think they're experts or people who want to help don't necessarily understand the, the perspective of the people suffering. So, for example, um, there is a non Jewish business associate who, who contacted me um, after seeing my post on LinkedIn about the book. And he's trying to set up kind of a, some kind of a startup to, um, to provide tools to help people get through you know, um, mental episodes. And, and I've been um, back and forwards in my mind for the last two weeks. Like, what do I think of what he's trying to do? And... Where he's trying to set up like a professional... No, he's, he's, it's more like creating diaries and, and like literally tools and things that people can use to help them. You know, you can write down your how you're going through things. And one of the things like... I mean, the book is not a, not a large book. It's like 90, 95 pages took me three years to write it. And, you know, if you're expecting me to, to so have... Deep, deep inside, there was a book in there. There was That's... a book, yeah, very deep, yeah. But, it, you know, in a sense, if you want me to create a diary every day of, you know, how I'm feeling and, and you know, I don't... I think it's going to be very hard for people that are very depressed, you know, 
to be able to manage that kind of thing. And once the book has come out and speaking to some of my friends, like they've said to me as well that, yeah, you know, people always have come out with these very easy solutions. You know, like one of the big things for me is, is uh, lack of sleep. And I've tried many, many tools to try and help me. The problem is that there are so many other things sometimes impacting as well that it, it, it's not as simple as like that just simple solution. So now again, I, I, you know, maybe I'm trying to take the easy way out. But what, what I think with the book we're going to do is to have this really, these are not my words, this is what other people have said, this really open and raw account from somebody of what they feel at the particular times that maybe will open the discussion a bit better that instead of it kind of coming from um i use the word patronizing but i, I don't mean in the negative sense like the the experts and people who are not the staff is coming from that you know we think this is what you need to do and this is we we think how to help you you know here is somebody saying well this is actually how i feel you know understand how i feel and then let's talk about how we can help that uh, and alleviate that situation right um and what would you what would you say is is different from your experience? Just to to dive into that a little bit more than from what um, the professionals try to get us to do. So you you touched on it, but what, how would you say? It? I think one of the big things is really that ability to function properly on a, on a daily basis, and how everyone works in a, in a different way. Um, you know, I have a lot of friends that again because over the years I've opened up, so they open up to me. And people, you know, people have varying levels of, of depression that they're coping with and, and issues they're dealing with. And I think that, you know, in the medical profession, in a sense, like when, when we're talking about the physical um, aspect, it's very easy. Somebody has a heart condition, you give them X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z medication. Um, but here with mental health, there's no one size fits all. And I could say even for myself, like I as I write in the book, I've been on uh, antidepressants at, at some point. At one point, I was I, not at the same time. I was over a 12-month period. I was probably on five different medications. As I said, not all at the same time, but just because we needed to find something that would level me out. And for a couple of weeks, eventually, each one would. But then I'd become very reactive. So like for me... You know, at that point, there's like it's not as simple as saying take an antidepressant this that's going to solve it, right? Right. Um, so I think that's you know that's it. The the other thing is like you know I know people say do exercise, but you know for me sometimes it was about I have to prioritize what am I going to put my energy into today? Am I going to put my energy into making sure I keep my job? Because for me, you know, keeping my like. Being good, being good at my job and doing my job was important because if I lose my job, that's like even more going to destroy right. my life. So that's even though you're can't. exercising all day, but if you're if you don't have a job, right, right. that's not going to help. So that was that was where I'd put my energy, you know, and and I think that's that's probably one of the things is like sometimes you know you have to decide okay I have this amount of energy, what am I going to put it into? And for me, like just sometimes the effort to get out of bed was so huge that I couldn't even think about, you know, then using energy to, to go on a walk or a run or, or something like that. You know, there's no question that it, it helps, right? I'm not saying I, I know it helps because I know when I do exercise that I feel really good. But um, when you're deep in that, that, uh, that dark place, it's really, really tough. Right. I think that's a great answer in, in terms of um, 
even on, yeah, that we, we read the books from the professionals, which were Baruch Hashem, we have them today, um, both secular and Jewish, but you have your, your definitely your literature on, um, on mental health, but then we try to apply it and apply it in a very cookie cutter way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's, that sometimes just exagger- exaggerates and exasperates the issue um, without actually without actually get, letting us know that you're unique and complex and complicated, and uh, the way out is not reading a book and then applying everything. Right. Um, so that's that's definitely important. Was there was there inspiration for other people who've written books like this, um, vulnerable, you know, firsthand accounts of this that you uh, that you look to? I've got to be honest, no, no, okay. <laughs> um, I read articles um, primarily, unfortunately, from the secular world because, you know, we know in, in, in the Kahila people don't like to talk about these issues as much. One of one of the things, you know, you ask kind of where did it where did it come from? Um, you know, I ended up being diagnosed with PTSD. But one part of that was uh, my wife and I had a struggle to. You know, to, to bring a child into this world. I mean, Baruch Hashem, we have one child, but that was after 10 years and miscarriages. But that's also an area that when we were going through this, you know, well, you know, 15, 20, 25 years ago, it certainly wasn't spoken about in, in the Kehillah. And there were a couple of organizations that you kind of heard on them, you heard about on the, on the quiet uh, to go to and to speak to. But that was it. Today, it's much, it's much better. One of the things that uh, you know I mentioned in the book as well is that when we were going through that and we had one miscarriage at, at 19 weeks, is that everybody naturally you know, rallied around my wife to help her. And I don't mean this in the self-pity sense, but nobody was there for me. Like nobody was giving me support and and you know spending the hours sitting with me. And I was also suffering. It was like losing a child. Um, and so, you know, we, we need, there's a lot more we need to do on, on these, on these areas to, uh, to open up and to, to provide the help uh, for people. Right. Um, I definitely, as, as we, as well as a, as a couple, we've, we've gone through uh, miscarriage as well. And it's, um, definitely, definitely understand <laughs> what you're saying, but it's also that nobody talks about it. And then all of a sudden you, you tell one person and they say, Oh, here's, you know, an organization that deals exactly with your situation. And then in this like back world, there's all this stuff um, and help that you can get, but it's, it's like not spoken about. You don't see it on the, on the forefront. And I think bringing that out, I think that's something that we're seeing, we're watching today as well, that there's a lot today in terms of, I don't know if you're comfortable talking about it, but just with the Chaim Walder case um, that we're seeing also that there's a lot of, a lot of people who are hurting and, they we didn't talk about them two months ago, um, yeah. and maybe having a place. Obviously, that they don't. And not everything has to be in in the public. But I'm just saying, for public people to be able to speak and break those um, stereotypes a little, and those taboos, um, could help us in these situations. Because then you're not, you don't have to scream to anybody. You're not telling anybody a chiddush because they know right. that could be that could be something that we could. Um, that we could accomplish through this. And that's something mm-hmm. that I love about Mosaic guys. They're not afraid. Mm-hmm. Mosaic Press and Rabbi Haber, like you said, he was the inspiration. He said, I mean, that's what he does, what he does, but he's able to take a story and say, we got to make this, we got to make this into a book and give and give the push to it. They're also not afraid. And through the books that they publish, they're, they're making a statement by not editing it and heavily editing it and taking yeah. out things that they think 
There's not, I, I, from what I believe, there's not a heavy editing process in terms of content. Not at all. I mean, the, the only thing that I would say is that, you know, when the manuscript uh, went and was seen by by the first person at Mosaic, for his, um, I'll keep his name confidential <laughs> for, for his sake, but he's also a friend of mine. And he read it through and he called me straight away and he said, wow. He said, are you sure you're happy for this to go out? Like, so it wasn't, in a que- it wasn't a question of censorship, but it was more of a question for me. Am I happy that, that this should, uh, you know, this should be out there? And I said to him, 100%. Uh, you know, it's, it's uh, as I said to you, you know, off, off, uh, off mic, I mean, it's like, um, it's like ripping off a Band-Aid. You just got to do it. And like Nachshon Ben Aminodov style as well, just dive in and, and whatever happens, happens. I, this, I feel like... Um, if you know, someone asks, like, why is this happening to me? You know, we all ask Kodesh Baruch these things, and if this is the reason why these things are happening, to get this book out and to, to start this discussion or, you know, increase the discussion, then I'm happy. You know that uh, that's it. And so they've been extremely supportive, Mosaic, all all the way through. And uh, and Rabbi Heber is that kind of a <laughs> kind of a person that uh, that he does that. So which is very important for it. Even internally in yourself, when you went over. it, when you went over the um, the manuscript, there was nothing you felt that you had to change, and there was a. No, no. I, it, you know, the funny thing is, like now reading it, it's quite painful um, for my wife and, and my daughter as well. We've kind of semi banned it uh, in the house because it just makes us too. Well, sad. That's why you gave me a book. That's huh? why I gave you the book. But uh, <laughs> get it out of here. Get it out of here. But um, no, I, there's nothing, you know, I, I know, like I can still remember writing the different parts I wrote and I know why I wrote them, and when I wrote them, and there's nothing I would change uh, in it at all. You know, it's, um, as I said, it was a challenge even to get to the nineteen ninety five pages, but I wouldn't change anything that's uh, that's in there. Um, I always like to ask, that, ask this, but like, who's your, who would you be um, happy if they read this book, if it got into their hands, who would you want to see this, this important book? I think in a way I could say I'm already happy in the answer to that question, because there is, there's one case of somebody who, again, a business associate who saw my post on LinkedIn and then referred me to somebody that they know that they've been trying to help over many years. And referred them to me and ended up speaking to them and, and, you know, um, for an hour, one hour of Shabbos, just, you know, trying to help them. And I think if that's all that, that did, you know, I, I, I mean, I don't know, you know, I could say I want it to be the, the, the Nobel Prize winning whatever. That's not, you know, um, but it just, if, if it helps one person, we've, we've achieved something. But I hope that, um, you know, some of the, 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 the people in the community, um, around the world that, you know, the, the call them like the thought leaders, if you like, uh, will, will get to see it. will mention it not because of, not because of me, but get to mention that if somebody's spoken about this, it's okay to speak about it. And that will you know help other people to come forward and seek the help that, uh, that they need ultimately. That's what do you think is that just to, to deep dive into that? I realize that we didn't get into that, but what do you, what do you think is this, um, taboo in our community and the Jewish community? The firm community at large. Uh, well, and, and well, obviously you're yeah. you're you know you're trying to you're trying to, to to jump into that and to try to make a difference in that, which is important. But I think that um, speaking again, especially now, but speaking about the taboos and trying to find them and break them is is our job um, to try to help 
I think, you know, as, as from people, um, we, over the years, I don't know if it's an Ashkenaz, Sephardi thing or whatever, but, you know, over the years, we, we like to keep things, you know, maybe because of Lush and Horror or whatever, still a hype, you know, keep it under um, under the radar kind of thing. I think there's also like a, a sneers part of that that, uh, you know, we don't need, I mean, I, like social media says, like, you know, you walk down the street having a coffee. Hey, everybody, I'm having a coffee. That's I. I that's not the way I was brought up, and and you know, not a a big poster on social media. Of, you know, um, I I opened my front door this morning, kind of thing. Uh, so I think there's there's part of of that, which is that we we don't have to tell everybody what's going on in our in our lives and our families. But I think today the difference is that that life is less the nuclear family kind of based. You know, it could be, whereas. In the Haim, people were living, you know, with their family. Today, um, like most of my family is 2,000 miles away in, in, in London. Um, you know, I, I mean, we were talking before, so your family is kind of spread. So I think we, we need additional support mechanisms for us. And the the things that we're dealing with today are, are much more complex, I think, in a way than, you know, our ancestors had to deal with in, in you know, the small village in, in Galicia, in my case, kind of thing. So... I think that that's that's part of it. So we, I think that's why there's that background of let's keep everything quiet under the radar. Let's not talk about it. You know, um, let's not, not talk about bad things as well. You know, the the, the whole thing when people talk about cancer, say yana machla. They don't want to mention it directly. That because if we mention it directly, we like, it's a thing in Kabbalah as well. If you say the thing, it could be that it it gives it, um, you know, a basis. Um, but. You know, people need help, and uh, we we need to we need to talk about it so that they understand that they're okay. They're not abnormal. Many people like them are are going through this. People who live normal lives, kind of thing. I remember that growing up, um, people would say "yana machla," and I thought there was I thought cancer was called machla. That's what I thought it was, and I just think it it, it creates uninformed people when you do that, and right. I think it's. Like I, I may agree with you that it's uh, coming from a maybe a nice place or a nice idea, um, but if you don't know, I remember as well on our Shabbos table, it was always my father was a rabbi of a uh, a very diverse community, and we'd have everyone and people. the 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 talk was just what what was on your mind, and it was always Torah based, and it was always we were talking about Torah ideas. Um, I remember one time my father had to speak about. Somebody was asking about maybe a cousin or a wedding of, of, of homosexuals. And I remember he was talking about it. And one of my brothers got up and said, you know, we don't we don't talk about that at the table because although it's an important idea, but it's just not it's not what we do at the table. And I uh, I disagreed with him. I think that we have to speak about yeah. the Torah's view. We have to also we have an issue of accepting people. So we have to teach what is what's right and wrong and then what's good and bad and then not necessarily do they overlap we have to be able to teach that to our kids um and these words that maybe amol and the heim where things return is written that we don't talk about i think that uh that changes because we don't live in that in that way anymore so i i definitely uh i definitely hear that and see that that's an important important mission statement but from that um, and then that's the we have to we have to think about. I, I definitely thought about that in the last few weeks. That uh, what are the things I'm just trying not to talk about, and those are the things we have to talk about. Right. The things that we're just 
as soon as you say return is written and you say we can't talk about that those are the things that you need to to rip off the band-aid to use your uh your idea and then that's that's what you have to jump into and uh and really discuss with yourself why why is it you're trying to hide that and uh and then break that open i mean so i just just as an aside as well somebody said to me you know when they, they saw the book so i have a daughter and they said, and my daughter's probably going to kill me for saying this uh, now as well. But it's we'll a bleep about daughter. <laughs> so he said, "What about shidduchim? You know, what's this going to do for for shidduchim?" And I said to them very simply, "Well, if somebody's not going to want to shidduch with her because of this, I don't want them. You know, that it, that's the thing. But there is there is a thing like you said. I mean, it's coming from a good place. But but we just we need to, I think, and it's the way I was brought up as well. We need to kind of rethink a little bit of, of our attitudes for." No, obviously not. We're not changing the Torah. That's you know, that's not what we're talking about at all. It's but there's a, a society, a reality in society outside that we need to deal with. You know, um, I think it's the culture around the Torah which we've created, which is not necessarily Torah based, um, mm-hmm. and it's a defense mechanism that we put up. Yeah, but I think that can be broken. Right. So as long as it again, I didn't get that vibe from you at all. But as long as it stays within a framework of of Torah and halacha, yeah, for sure, certainly. Um, so it looks like you have your next big, uh, that this book is going to find your next big startup, uh, <laughs> your next big thing. Cause it, it, it I find that, that it opens up, um, when I speak to authors at the beginning, right when they wrote, and then some that are 10, 20 years after mm-hmm. they wrote the book and, uh, just where, where the book brings them, what the opportunities that it, uh, that it opens up. And I think that that's, it's a Vodas Kodesh for you. This is going to be for sure. Whatever like, the Abishta sends what my way. He, whatever yeah. he sends. Yeah. Um, and I think to your point of what about Shadduchim, I think also that um, somebody will Google your name for your, you know, they'll say, they'll see your book. Boom. They, it saves them a Shadduch call. They don't have to ask anymore. They know, they know what, what they're dealing with. And I think that we deal with Shadduchim, which is only, which is a, like a caricature of our culture, right? It's like, that's yeah. where all the things come out yeah. and, uh, and look silly when it comes to Shadduchim. I think that that, um, that would help if people knew. Okay, your your best friend in shul may have may have uh, suffer or, or deal with mental issues, and but he's your best friend. Everyone has. Something, Everyone has. You know, it's, it's that old Yiddish phrase. My father's grandpa used to say all the time. You know, you put down your peckle. Everybody puts down their peckle. You'll pick yours. Everybody's got something. You close the front door. We we have no idea, and and that's the thing that um, it's not to get everybody's dirty laundry out in out in public. But it's to understand that we are not perfect human beings, no, and we 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 aspire in a way to be perfect human beings. But along the way, um, there are going to be a lot of uh, there's going to be a lot of baggage, a lot of hurt, a lot of um, uh, well, like I, you know, again, a marshal. My father used to say is like um, when a diamond comes out of the ground, it doesn't look anything at all. To get it to that polish that you got to bash away at it until, until you get that. And that's that's our journey in life. And it's okay. We, we're going to go through those things in whatever level it is. And to, to push it under the carpet is not the uh, not, not the way. Incredible. So obviously, Yashukach um, to you for, for writing the book and for taking this uh, this first step in the journey. And Yashukach uh, to, to Mosaic and to Rabbi Haber and, yeah. uh, and the team that uh, that take stands and, and make yeah. try to make voices like these uh, heard. To, to a wide, large community. Um, is there anything else you want to say to to the listeners? Any uh, messages about your book that I didn't uh, we didn't touch on? Well, obviously, buy the book. Um, 
if anybody wants to reach out, uh, you know, privately, I'll be very happy to uh, uh, to to speak to them. You can find me, you know, in various ways. Uh, I guess through Mosaic, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, you connect with me, get my personal information, and I'm more than happy to to be in touch with people. Uh, and, and and if you want me to talk, you know, whatever, like for the sake of the cause, I will do anything. Incredible. So there you have it. That's uh, Yoni Palmer, and his book is is uh, available on, will be by the end of this month, or maybe when this releases. But uh, it'll it'll be available on Mosaica Press, and uh, and you can find it. You can find it there. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Aaron, for your time. Thank you for listening. And if you have a suggestion for me to interview, please reach out to me at intentionaljew at gmail.com.